washing of your love and mercy over our lives. We thank you for the cross. And we thank you that in this moment, there's nothing we've done. There's nothing that we failed to do that separates us from your love. And I pray right now you would just wash us white as snow. You'd renew our minds with the truth. You'd open our eyes to see and our ears to hear and our souls to sing. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for this great love that you've shown us today. In your great name we pray. Amen. It's good news again today. You and I, we need the gospel. We need the reminding truth of God's great love for us. You and I, we're squirrely. We're all over the place, aren't we? Anxious about this, running here and there, slipping up here, forgetting to do this thing, and God is faithful. Faithful. His love never changes. We need the gospel every day. The gospel is the gateway to so many blessings in the heart of God. It is the door that we enter to, um, to find purpose in life. It's through the gospel that we find our conscience cleared of sins, where we find peace. There's so many benefits that God gives us through the gospel, but I think there's none greater than through the fa- our faith in the cross, we have the opportunity to have a relationship with the living God. When you came to faith in Christ, you were not born into a new set of rules to follow. You were born into a relationship with a loving Father who loves you and promised He would always be with you by the Holy Spirit that is here with us today. You see, this relationship with God, it's real. Because this God that we serve is real. You and I get relationships with one another because we can see each other, we can feel, touch each other, right? We know that we're, we're there. But this relationship with God is no less real even though we don't see Him physically here. He is real. And think about that. God who created the universe, He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to hear what you have to say. And he wants to share things with you. Because that's what you do in a relationship, right? You communicate with one another. You listen to one another. You share your heart with one another. And it's such an amazing privilege that we have an open door to heaven to commune with the living God. And his love and his mercy and his direction and his guidance and his resources from heaven. He is just waiting for someone to listen so that he can speak to them. And that's what we've been going for here these last couple weeks. Saying, God, would you open our ears so that we could hear you speaking to us. What kind of relationship is that if you can't ever hear what the other person is saying? You're always talking, the one talking. 
Sometimes you feel like you're talking to a brick wall. And there's nobody on the other side. But God is saying, no, 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 no. I think God's saying sometimes he feels like he's talking to the brick wall. He's always communicating. He's never silent. See, God wants an intimate relationship with you or communicating. And what a privilege, what a benefit that we have from the gospel to have this relationship with him. That's what this series has been about. We've been looking at different ways in which um, God communicates us with us. Um, I've I, I realized that as we've gone along in this series, it's a little bit more of an equipping series because we need help. We all do. I need help. We all need reminders and help on how to hear the voice of God, um, how we hear him. And here's a couple things that we've, we've looked at the last couple weeks just as a point of review. We've looked at reading and obeying the Bible. You see, a lot of these other ways that we've been talking about in terms of hearing God speak to us, all of those are what I would call fallible, okay? Fallible means with fault, okay? So when we're trying to hear God intuitively or listen to what God's got to say through one another, um, there's some human error that can happen in there, right? It's fallible communication, fallible ways in which God is communicating with us. But we have a, an authoritative standard in the Bible that is infallible. That means it is pure, it is true, it is right, it, it is holy. It's an authoritative standard in our, in, our, in our world of trying to figure out, God, what are you saying in the midst of this? We have the Bible as a place of security, and we can always go to that to hear what God is saying because God's never silent. Yet, at the same breath, reading the Bible doesn't do us much good if we're not wholeheartedly surrendered to doing what he says to do. In fact, it will dull our ears. The, 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 the scripture speaks of, of, of hard hearts and dull ears. And that happens when we hear the word of God, but we resist it. And then our hearts grow hard and our ears grow dull, and then we can't hear as much anymore. You see, because we've got to surrender and not only be hearers of the word, but doers also. God wants to set us free. God wants to set us free from having to figure out things on ourselves. He's wanting to say, by the way, I created this whole world. I see your past, your present, and your future. I see everything. If you'll just trust me rather than your grapefruit-sized brain, I think you can get somewhere, right? And he's saying, trust me. Trust what I'm saying to do. If we'll read and obey the Bible, it brings a place of security and stability that this is what God's heart is and what he wants. Yet if we, if we leave that alone, if we say, hey, just read and obey the Bible, that's an important, critical first step. But then we think to ourselves, well, God's speaking through the Bible with all of us, and then all of a sudden it can be very easy if we're just reading and obeying the Bible to just end up with our own set of rules. We need God to draw close to us personally, and we need to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us through our intuitive thoughts. And God is wanting to speak to us in a personal way. You see, the, within the, the fence line of the Bible, there's a great playground inside of, of experiencing and enjoying God as he speaks to us. The, 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 the Bible is the fence line. It protects us from error. But inside that, God wants to say all kinds of personal things to us. He's not just wanting to speak to you generally so that you can get your rules and follow all of those. No, he's wanting to instruct, encourage, help, and comfort you personally. We've got to learn to hear 
his voice. One of the suggestions I've made, I've been very encouraged um, the last couple weeks of several people who've started 30-day prayer journals since we did this message. And um, I'm so encouraged by that. Um, and what, what that was, was a, a training tool to learn to hear God's intuitive voice. And, and, and so what we talked about there is, is if there's something you want to hear God on, to take 30 days and to ask God, what are you saying about this thing? And then writing down what you sense he's saying. Don't be an analyst. Just be a reporter. Just write down what you think. And then after you do that for 30 days, going back with your spouse or someone else uh, in your community and looking back at what he said, then you'll see all those days where, man, that was just me. I was anxious and fearful, and that wasn't God. But then you'll start to see that line and that thread of, hey, I think God was speaking to me through that. And God wants to train us to hear his voice so that day by day, moment by moment, we would hear that still small voice over our shoulder saying, turn this way, turn that way. And he wants to guide and direct our lives. He wants us to, to, to hear him through our intuitive thoughts. Last week, we looked at how God wants to speak to us through other people. And that how we are not lone rangers in our relationship with God. Now, there's not one of us here that needs a priest or a pastor to hear God for us because we have the Holy Spirit. And so each one of us that follow Christ, we can hear God on our own. However, when you came to Christ, you were also came into the body of Christ. And this physical body of mine gets instructions from the head. And in order for my toes to get instructions, it's got to pass through the rest of my body to get to me. You see, the parts of my body need one another to communicate with one another to hear what the mind is saying. We need one another to hear accurately what God is saying. The Bible's our authoritative standard of truth, but the church is the pillar and support of truth that help us to discern what he's saying. And we are missing out if we are not including people in our journey of hearing God. And so the challenge for us there was who is in your circle of trust? Who are the people in your life that you include in major decisions in your life? Who is that circle of trust of, of, of people who you um, seek counsel from? Who are those, those, those people that, that you bring in whenever you're sensing something from God but not sure it's him? Who's in your community that you are wrestling through the scriptures and what they're saying together? Who is in that community with you? Who's in your circle of trust? I think every one of us needs that because we don't hear God in isolation. And then lastly today, we're going to be looking at the, the fourth piece in the puzzle here of looking for God at work in your circumstances. And before we get into this, I, I want to acknowledge something I've been sharing throughout there, that these four avenues of God speaking to us um, through the Bible are intuitive thoughts. Um, and again, intuitive thoughts can be dreams. It can be in your sleep. You know, God's speaking to you intuitively in a lot of different ways. But the Bible, your intuitive thoughts... Um, uh, through other people and through your circumstances, those different avenues in which God speaks are not independent of one another. It's not just like, oh, I'm hearing God this way today, and then tomorrow I'll hear this. No, it's very dynamic, and it's integrated. We need to be accessing all of these areas for us to be walking in step with the Holy Spirit and what he's calling us uh, to do. And, and that is no more so true than when it comes to our circumstances, what are our circumstances? What are we talking about when we say that? Our circumstances are the observable events and activities in the world around you, okay? It's the physical world that you can see, hear, touch, taste, smell. Those are your circumstances. It's the physical world around you. And, and God wants to speak to us through things that we see, things that we observe happening around us. But you know what? Have you ever had the experience of trying to figure out what God's doing by just what you see around you? 
it can be a little confusing, right? Okay, so anybody this week get a little bit confused by what you're observing on your weather app? Yes, yeah, how many, how many of you right here, just, just lift your hand, some plan that you had this week was, was changed according to the weather or something, okay, yeah, so, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm looking over my way, I mean, there's four or five activities this week that were altered because of what I was seeing on the weather here, okay, and so I'm looking at my app, and really, every 15 minutes, it seemed like it's going to change, like, it's going to be 15% chance of rain, okay, we're moving forward, okay, now it's 90 percent chance of rain. Okay, I guess we're off. Okay, now it's down to 30, so maybe we're back on. You know, I'm just like, you know, it's all over the place right here. I look at the radar, and she's like showing up. I mean, basically, we're, we're in a season where nobody knows what's happening. It just may rain, it may not. Okay, so we'll just, we'll just kind of go with the flow, right? But our lives are kind of like that, okay? We're trying to look around at what's happening uh, around us, and, and it's like, oh, we're up. Okay, well, that must, you know, oh, no, no, that, you know, and we just get, dri- the, living according to our circumstances is a roller coaster ride. It's a roller coaster ride. You ever been in a situation where you feel like all the doors are closed around you? All, all the opportunities. What is a closed door? A closed door is when there's opposition to something that you want to do. And you look around, it's like everything is closed around me, and you feel, you feel tight, you feel barricaded, and you're like, oh, what are you doing this? And see, a lot of times when we have closed doors, when we have trials or challenges or opposition in our life, if we're not rooted in the character of God, we begin questioning God. Well, God, why is everybody else getting blessed except me? Do you forget about me? You know, I mean, you know, oh, I tried that. I tried that. Well, God, you're just not coming through. Well, maybe I just need to take matters in my own hands. We begin questioning God. See, we got to be, to understand our circumstances, we got to be rooted in the character of God, trusting him no matter what we see. Sometimes the opposite occurs, and we have an open, open doors. We have maybe many opportunities. What's an open door? An open door is, is, is an observable circumstance that creates an opportunity for you. And so sometimes we find ourselves, and there's a lot of options. And like, well, that could be good. That could be good. That could be good. And what do I do? Where do I go? You see, our circumstances can be very confusing to us. God wants to speak through our circumstances, and he wants to put what we see with our eyes in its proper place in our lives, okay? So here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at a, a story in Acts today, and I think this is a fantastic story. Um, I mean, I feel like I can only scratch the surface in our time left here uh, this morning, but I, I think it's a great illustration from the Apostle Paul's life of how he was led by the Holy Spirit and how God used circumstances in different ways to communicate, to trigger him to seek God and to hear messages from the Holy Spirit, okay? So I want us to read, we're going to read a, a lot of this chapter um, right here, but what I want you to see as we read it is I want you to, I want you to just track with Paul in how he was determining what God was saying, how he was determining. And at the same breath, I want you to look at some of the different circumstances that he found himself in and how God opened and closed doors in different ones of those circumstances. I think there's a lot of lessons for us to learn in this. So Acts chapter 16, um, starting in verse 6, this uh, story uh, is the beginning of Paul's second missionary journey. So his second um, effort in bringing the gospel to areas of the world that had not heard it before, okay? Starting in verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the providence of Asia. Um, when they came to the border of Myasia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Myasia and went 
down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony in the leading city of that district of Macedonia. We stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the, woman who had gathered, to the women who had gathered there. One of these listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, Thyatira um, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message, and she and the members of her household were baptized. She invited us to her home, If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once we were going to the place of prayer and we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she preached the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews, and they are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined into the attack of Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown in prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and at once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. And the jailer called for the lights, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, and then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Wow, what a journey, man. That's a pretty good mission trip uh, so far, right? Pretty wild. But did you see there as we're reading it through just the different track that the Holy Spirit was leading on? A very unexpected journey. Let's, let's uh, look at this on a map because um, there's a lot of geography there of uh, areas of places that I can't pronounce. And, uh, but I want you to see something here. This red line is Paul's journey. He started off in Antioch, right? And he went through these, this region of Galatia, which is where he went on his first missionary journey. All right? He went there to encourage the believers there. And then he had it in his heart, it says, to go to Asia, right? This, this kind of, this region over here. But then all of a sudden it's going along and the scripture says that he was kept from going in, into Asia. And so he kind of took a, a, a little bit of a right turn. 
right there, all right? So then he's thinking, I want to go to uh, Bithynia, up, up in the north. But then he gets there, and he says, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ did not allow me to enter in there. And so then they've got to kind of go around my Asia, and they end up in Troas. So closed door, closed door, what are we supposed to do? And then he shows up in Troas, and he has this vision uh, of, of these people over here in Macedonia calling him, a man from Macedonia calling him to go, and they conclude, well, maybe this is God. So shut door, shut door, then open door, and he has, has the route that he needs to go. Now, just look at that red line for a second, okay? Your life ever feel like that? I mean, you feel like... You feel like, man, I'm just like all over the place. I'm just like taking right turns over here. I think God's saying this and kind of this. And it, it, it's not quite how my high school counselor painted the picture for me um, right there. You know, in fact, sometimes I feel like I'm just going in this big circle right here. Right, right? you know? Yeah. You know what? I, that's a life led by the Holy Spirit right there. It's okay. Actually, if you've got some twists and turns in your journey, you may be following God right? There are going to be those moments of, of things you don't expect, circumstances that change, things that are, that are happening around you that you couldn't plan out or map out. But as we're listening to the Holy Spirit, He is guiding us into a place of fruitfulness. This is an incredibly fruitful trip that He made right here. And what I want you to see, first of all, from this, from this passage right here, is that God was using, at different moments along the way, He was using Paul's circumstances to speak to him. God uses circumstances to speak to you, but circumstances were not his God. Let me say that again. God uses circumstances to speak to you, but circumstances are not your God. Now, what do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that what you observe in the world around you, God is wanting to show and communicate messages to you. Yet, those messages will only be received and understood to be by God if you're walking in a relationship with Him. God is not saying, hey, just look at what's happen happening around you, and whenever you list out all your pros and cons and whatever you observe out there, then whatever has the most prons, uh, pros, then you do that, or if it has too many cons, don't do that. And you just, you just whatever you see... You make your decisions best based on your judgment of your circumstances. And God is saying, don't make your own judgment of your circumstances. You've got to walk in a relationship with God to understand your circumstances here. And that's what you see here with Paul. Now, Paul, uh, uh, you know, he had in his heart to go to Asia and Bithynia. He wanted to take the gospel where it's never heard. Now, you think to yourself, well, why did God stop him from doing that? That seemed like a good desire, right? He wanted to go there. But you see, God was doing something else. God was doing something else with, this, with these people. God was doing something with, with Paul. One, I think that it was an issue of timing, Okay, it may have been that that Paul, um, it says in Bithynia that Paul tried to enter, but then he was he was not allowed by the spirit of Jesus there. It may have been that he tried to enter and, and, and he was looking for what God was doing and sharing the gospel, but no one was open to his message. Or maybe the timing just wasn't right. There may have been something observable that that he, he saw there that, hey, the time's not right. I don't know. But at the end of the day, his testimony was that the Holy Spirit was the one leading him, and it was not time. Now, what's interesting here is you look at the rest of his missionary journey, he ends up back in Asia, right? 
And then later on his third missionary journey, he's here in Ephesus for about three years. And at the end of that three years, it says all of Asia is heard. And then later on in Peter's gospel, Peter addresses uh, the church in Bithynia. So Paul may never have even gone up there, but one of the other apostles did. See, because the Holy Spirit knew best, he knows the right timing, even with the desires of our heart. One of the things we've got to look here at Paul is he was totally surrendered to God. Even with a God-given passion to take the gospel who've ne- who, to those who've never heard, God still had to lead that passion. God still had to direct it. Paul was not living for himself and his own pleasures, his own desires, but he was living for God. And here's the reality, is you can look at the circumstances around you and you can find justification for just about anything that you want to do. We actually, we act, when it comes to our circumstance, we actually trust them a lot. We, we trust our eyes more than we trust our brains, more than we trust other people's brains, sometimes more than we trust the Word of God. We, we live in a material world. What do I mean like that? So materialism, I'm not talking about like greed and desire for possessions. I'm talking about materialism um, that's a philosophy that says that the physical world is real and is the only thing that's real. The observable world around me, that's all that's real. Now, as followers of Christ, we would say, hey, God loves the body. He created all things visible. Those things matter to God. But there's also a spirit. There's a spirit at work. And we need to be in touch with the Holy Spirit. We need to be in touch with things we can't see. In fact, that's what faith is, believing those things that we can't see yet. And if there's not an element of faith in the choices and decisions you're making in your life, you're not hearing God because without faith, it's impossible to please God. There has always got to be faith. As you're looking at your circumstances, a great question to ask is what's driving me here, faith or fear? And if there is faith driving something that's unseen, that's, that's driving me a belief and a confidence that God is at work in this option, then man, that's where I'm going to go. And if I don't see God at work in those things, then I'm staying right where I am. You see, God wants to lead us not just by what we see, but he wants to lead us by our faith and our confidence in him. Paul was led by the Holy Spirit. We don't know how God was speaking to him each step along the way, but we know that God was speaking to him. Um, Again, circumstances are not our God. We're not just trusting what we're saying. It's God who opens and closes doors for us. This is what Revelation um, 3 says. Verse 7 and 8, it says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. All those doors you're looking to open, all those doors that seem to be closed, he's got the key. God is the key to interpreting and understanding what's happening in the physical world around you. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Let's stop right there. Just think about that. You see, God is the one that opens and shuts doors. You see, you and I look at our circumstances on our own, and we come to the conclusion on our own that that door is shut. But if God hasn't said it's it's shut, then it's not shut. And if we come to a situation where we're like, hey, great opportunity. This is, I guess, what I want, and we don't consult God in the matter, then that could be a, a great opportunity, but it could not be God in that, Right? Because if he hasn't opened that door, then eventually it's going to shut back in your face. 
God is the one who opens and closes doors. Let, let me, let's look at Paul here just a little bit. Um, Paul, when he shows up in, uh, in Philippi, he, um, um, he finds a few women that are responsive to his gospel. We'll, we'll look at that in a second. But, but we also see that there's opposition to him being there, right? So he's walking in favor. He's going to the place of prayer. And, um, uh, and all of a sudden, this, this demonic girl, you know, slave girl, comes up and just starts annoying him, calling out all these things. She is standing in the way of him walking forward into what God wanted him to do. This was satanic opposition. Oftentimes, when you experienced what seems to be a closed door, opposition to something that's good or right or something you're believing for, when you experience opposition, it could be demonic. It could be the enemy resisting you. We live in such a material world where we're always trusting what we see. We don't see the demonic, and so we don't think it's there, and we forget. Just like we forget about God, we forget about this as well. And so what does Paul do? Paul, Paul just, this, here's this demonic opposition. He just said, just get out of her in Jesus' name. Just please, okay, it's coming through. Because Satan's opposition to him had no power against Jesus' name. In another place in 1 Thessalonians, he, uh, Paul is talking about his desire to go to the church in Thessalonia. And he, and, and he says, I desire to come to you, but Satan has blocked my way. Okay, and then he goes on in chapter 3 uh, of 1 Thessalonians, and he says, he says, Satan has blocked my way, and though I'm prohibited to come to you, I'm going to send my message through Timothy, who's coming to you. Because, you know, see, Satan is not going to prohibit me from sending you the message that I want you to see. Friends, we need to learn to resist the devil. Scripture says, James 4, 7, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There is opposition in your life. It's not just a closed door and God redirecting you. It may be demonic opposition. He's calling you to rise up and to stand against it. Now, how do you know? How do you know if it's the devil? I don't know. I, I don't know. But, you know, here's what I do know, that sometimes it can be him, and I'm just, well, I'm just wanting to clear the deck, and if it's something else, and let's just get Satan out of the way, and then we can deal with that other thing. Okay, maybe it is God. Maybe it is, you know, someplace I need to repent or maybe I just need to wait or something. But let's just get the enemy out of the mix here. And so I will resist the devil. It's in every spirit from hell that's opposing the will of God in my life. I command you to go to the feet of Jesus in Jesus name. I command every assignment formed against me to keep me from the purposes of God to be broken right now in Jesus name. Do you pray those prayers? If not, it could be the enemy that's hindering your life and keeping you from walking in what God wants you to. Warfare, prayer. So uh, Paul deals with the enemy, deals with the demonic, right? But then, then things actually get worse after that in our minds. Things, I mean, really, in some ways, yeah. His circumstances got worse. He got arrested. He got tried, and it said he got severely flogged and beaten. Now, for many of us, if we're in that situation and we're being on trial, we're being pulled off, and, 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 and then we're, the threat of being beaten or being beaten, uh, many of what's going through our mind is we missed it. We missed it. We're, we're outside of the grace of God. He didn't call me here. I totally missed it because I'm experiencing pain in my life. And for many of us, especially in our culture, um, pain is always seen as a closed door from God. If pain is always a closed door from God, Jesus Christ would have never gone to the cross. 
pain and suffering is not always a closed door. In fact, many times, God is actually asking us to step into pain and suffering. The way of the kingdom is death, burial, and resurrection. Now, that may not always be the case, but when you're trying to determine, God, what are you calling me to do? It could be through death, burial, and resurrection that he's leading you. A a sense of laying down your life. There may be a sense of suffering that goes on with it. See, in our culture here, we we love our painkillers, right? Because pain cannot be good. Now, we're going to a heaven where there's not going to be pain, praise God. But in a fallen world by sin, God uses pain to give glo- to bring himself glory. Pain is not always a closed door, and it wasn't here for Paul. And you think, well, that wasn't a good thing, but look where it kept leading him. Well, it led him to prison. Well, that was bad too, right? He was in prison. So here he is in prison, taken to the inner cell. His feet are, are chained, and he's in this inner cell. All the walls are closed, and there's no way, there's no way out. You ever feel like that? Closed doors all around you. Adversity, trials. There's no, I don't know where to turn or where to go. I, I must have done something wrong. Or, or this, this can't be God. But you know what their response when they felt trapped inside the prison? Was praise. Prayers and praise. Maybe there's shut doors around you, not because God doesn't want to open them, but because he's calling you to get to a place where no matter what is happening, you're going to praise the Lord. Maybe they were in that cell praying, God, make a way. Bring a breakthrough. Bring a break. Because often when there's a closed door, God is asking us to believe and to press through. Ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Oftentimes when we're facing opposition, God is calling for men and women of faith to believe not in what they see, but when they don't see, and to believe in the promises of God. God wants to bring breakthrough through closed doors. Not every place of opposition in your life is a closed door. It may be demonic, it may be pain that you need to press through, or it may be a place of persevering prayer for you. On the other hand, every open door may not be your ticket out. Now, isn't that interesting? God comes and moves with power. He breaks them out of the cell, right? They're free to go. If you and I had just been beaten and in the cell, we're trying to sing a tune or two to stir our faith in God, but then all of a sudden, earthquake, everything goes free, the doors fling wide open, I want out of there. And they stay. The door flung open, the door of opportunity of escape flung open, and they stayed. Because the open door was not necessarily what God wanted them to do. It may have been a test. It may have been a temptation. It may have been not yet. But what happened? When they chose to respond to God in that moment, they didn't take the open door. Instead, they stayed. And the jailer, who was about to kill himself because all his prisoners were being released, were running free, and he was going to get killed, so he thought he'd do it himself. And they step in, they say, no, we're still here, and we're going to save your life. And he's saying, how can I be saved? Believe in Jesus Christ. He and his whole family get saved that night. And then, and then all the magistrates come, and they find out what happened uh, with them. And Paul and Silas are still there. And the, the magistrates, oh, we're so sorry. We didn't know y'all were Roman citizens. And they're like bowing at Paul's feet, and he has great influence over them. And then whenever Paul and Silas decide they're ready to leave or the Holy Spirit leads them, then they leave the town. Not under the direction of man, but under the direction of the Holy Spirit. 
Every open door does not necessarily mean that it's God, and every closed door doesn't necessarily mean it's not God. Now, many of you are saying, Fred, you're not helping me here. <laughs> you're not helping. Help me to understand. Help me understand what, what God is saying through this. And here's the very simple point at the very, at, to close here. God uses our circumstances to speak to us. Our circumstances are not God. But the, our, God uses our circumstances to trigger in us a response for what he's saying. He's saying, don't judge your circumstances for yourself, but look for me in your circumstances. Look for what I'm doing. Look for what I'm saying. When Paul showed up in, in, um, in Philippi, he went to the place of prayer. He thought, maybe God's at work there. The place by the river where God's at work. And he's going, and he's looking, he's seeing what, what is God doing. He's like, oh, there's a woman. She, she worships God. Okay, Lydia. Well, uh, Lydia, let me, let me share with you about Jesus. She shares the gospel. She's like, this is awesome. We want this. She's like, why don't you come to my home? In fact, me and all my friends, we want to be baptized. And you're like, okay, that's God. God is stirring the heart. God is opening somebody's eyes. God is at work. And so wherever God is, that is where I'm going to go. And so Paul is living his life, looking for what's happening around him and listening to the Holy Spirit to interpret him. You will never be able to accurately judge your circumstances, the truth of your circumstances, apart from seeing what God is doing and hearing what God is saying. Do not try to judge him on your own. So that's where we come back to the original thing. We're, we're talking about reading the Bible, intuitive thoughts, community. You cannot judge your circumstances alone, but your circumstances can be triggers that God is using to seek him and to hear the word that he wants to speak to you right now. So you got to be watching. you got to be looking, but you got to be letting God be the interpreter and not yourself. Jesus said, the Father is always at work, but I do nothing on my own initiative. I do only what I see the Father doing. So I'm not just judging my circumstances. I'm looking for God. Where is God? Where is the place of faith? Where is the place that glorifies Christ? Where is the, where, where is the, uh, the open door that God is initiating in your life? Because at the end of the day, we are living for the glory of God and not just our own pleasure. And we need to see where God is and move and then step into what he's saying to do. Let me just close with one uh, story here to illustrate. Last week I shared with you guys um, how um, uh, Becca and I included a lot of people in the body of Christ as we were praying through our move to, to move to Houston to plant this church. And how God used different people in different ways to speak into that decision. God also used our circumstances to catalyze us seeking God. And also to confirm what God was, our, what, what God was already saying. So um, uh, we announced our decision to move uh, to, to, to Houston and plant this church in the uh, summer of 2012. And so we announced this decision publicly and, you know, on, on uh, social media and different places. And, and within a week, we got bombarded with people who were interested. People that we, we didn't know in Houston who were interested in Antioch Church. We were, there were relationships of people we knew in this area who were interested in, in, in what God was saying to us. We had people from Waco who were interested in moving to Houston to help start this church. We had all of this interest, and we're like, okay, so what, God, what are you doing here? And we decided to host some interest meetings. And so we had a, 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 a few of the couples that, that said, hey, let's host a little dinner party, and we've got a few friends, and let's bring them over, and, and here's what's happening. And, and personally, we were thinking that these dinner parties were going to be like, like you know, four or five people, and we're going to get to meet 15 or 20 people who may be interested in starting a church. At the end of that weekend, we had interacted with over 150 people 
um, uh, about uh, through these interest meetings and things, and over 100 of them were saying, hey, we're ready whenever you're in, and, and a lot of them were just saying, when are you coming? We're ready. We're ready to jump in, and we're just like, well, we're coming in a year, you know, we think. I mean, that's what we kind of felt like, and at the end of that weekend, you know, seeing, the, seeing what God was doing in people and gathering the scattered sheep, we were thinking to ourselves, well, well Lord, what are you saying in all this? So our leadership team got together. We were, we we're waiting on God and saying, Lord, what, what are you saying? in this, and, and a lot of what we sensed God was saying was, it's time to move quicker. One lady just had in her mind, she said, I just feel like the Lord's bringing, saying 12, and we're like, 12 days? That's like impossible. That's not going to happen. You're they said, well, maybe it means December. Maybe it means December, and that, that's, like, that's like eight months earlier than we planned to move, and when I first heard that, I was like, I got like a job and a house and five kids, you know, and you know, there's just a lot of obstacles there uh, in my way. That wasn't what I was jumping on. But as we began to pray and seek God, it's what he was saying to do. And that night we decided by faith, okay, we're going to move our family down here in December. The very next day, we went back to Waco. Very next day, I got a phone call from a couple who had heard we were moving and they were interested in our house. We didn't, we didn't put it on the market. We didn't have a realtor, anything. They had heard from a friend or a friend or a friend that we were going to be selling our house sometime this year, and they're saying, hey, we're interested. Within a week, we had a contract for our asking price on that house. Later, later on, when we began to raise support, we're like, I got five kids to feed. How, how are we going to raise this kind of money? And we sent out a letter, you know, um, uh, to, to some friends to support us, and the response from that letter is we got $400 uh, a month in commitments. Now, that's not enough to feed my family, right? $400 a month. And so we were like, what does this mean? But we got, we got over $25,000 in one-time gifts, and it was, it was enough for us um, to, to live for five, for five months, for us to live for five months. So we set out in faith, and we came here. And, and at the five-month mark, the church had already grown to the point where they could support us in a full-time salary. You see, here's what I'm trying to say with that. Here's what I'm trying to say with that circumstances were a catalyst for us to seek the word of God, and then circumstances were affirming afterwards what God was saying there, okay? The point is this, because you're going to find yourself in circumstances where they don't feel affirming, or they don't do this, but whatever your circumstances are communicating to you, it is a trigger and a callous to seek the voice of God. He will take care of you. He will lead you. The Lord is your shepherd. You shall not be in want. So open your eyes, look at what's happening around you, but take what you see to God. Don't make judgments yourself, but listen to him and he will direct your path. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.